create with Franz Sydney. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. This is Franz Sydney and welcome to Create with Franz on episode 167. We are now talking today to Kim who will talk to us about her journey through did I just say journey? Journey. It's a journey through a little problem with food. Yeah, love it, hate it, and uh, anorexia and bulimia, and then complete success and recovery. And now today, Kim helps people to find their own success and recover from their own emotional blocks. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm very, very excited. So tell me, what was going on in your life? when anorexia started to be a possibility. The microphone is all yours. Yeah, absolutely. So I think as you would know, like, I guess there's kind of a certain personality that goes along with people who have eating disorders. Like it's often a lot of like a need for control or perfectionism or high standards and like also low self-worth. So those were kind of issues that have probably already been going in the background. But the thing that really kicked it off was When I was 15, I got pneumonia and I was pretty much bedridden for a month and so like couldn't eat, couldn't get out of bed. And when I was younger, I wouldn't say I was overweight, but I was definitely like bigger than I am now. And like mum would always make comments about it and she'd be like, oh, you need to lose weight or whatever. And I just never really listened to her. And after I was sick, I lost all this weight from like not being able to eat. And when I went back to school, like, people really started to pay attention to me. Like, people were like, oh, you look really good. Or like, oh, what happened? Like, I started getting all this attention that maybe sort of made me realize, like, oh, maybe it is better if I lose this weight. And that really just kind of kicked things off where I continued really restricting my food. I started over-exercising. And it just kind of spiraled from there because, like, the more weight I lost, like, the more positive affirmation I got from people around me but also it gave me a sense of control when I really felt like maybe my life felt a bit like it was out of my control and just all of those things together it kind of created the perfect storm wow that's incredible isn't that amazing I mean we talk about social media and how it will but even just your friends will influence you so much and of course you know, if a person had a little bit too much weight, then we lose it, we'll compliment them and say, well done. But then, what is it, what's going on inside the brain? What is the ticking thing that makes you think, I had to go further? Is it to be more accepted, do you think? Is it this human need of being loved and, and accepted? so much I think the really the things that appealed to me was like for one I felt like something in my life was within my control like even though I couldn't control anything else that was going on I had this and um also really like I think along with anorexia this kind of like this sense of morality comes through like where you feel almost like virtuous like you've somehow beat hunger when it's like this really human thing you don't need to eat as much as everyone else it really becomes like a thing to make you feel good about yourself but in a in a really backwards sort of way it's incredible yeah so it's like the stoics and all these people they're like oh if I'm suffering and I'm very disciplined then people will think that I'm really strong and back again I think it's you know a part of our reptilian brain the part of the brain that wants us to 
connect to others and be accepted and they see our virtue and our morality. And of course, there are comments in the media all the time that when you see a person is overweight, don't we sometimes notice that some people will make really nasty comments and say, oh, you lack self-discipline or oh, what a... and they put all these nasty comments. So we have this kind of weird balances like all good or all bad, you know, we don't really have much... Uh, mercy and compassion because there are a host of reasons why a person will not be thin as we think they should be. So how was this beginning of anorexia affect you? What, what, what was your age then again? Was it 15? I was, I was 15. 15. Around 15 so did your parents notice anything in, in the house? I think at first they didn't really say anything because... I think it sort of happened gradually and then I remember like it kind of got to a point where I, I think it was just getting worse and worse and it became more and obvious that I was way too thin like I'm I guess for reference like I'm five foot three and I weighed like about like a hundred pounds like 90 to 100 pounds kind of depending and I really got so thin that I guess I was so malnourished that at one point I was out at the shops and I just fainted like I just collapsed and at that point my mom was kind of like mmm I think there's something going on and she kind of was starting to say like okay like do you need to go to recovery and the the problem with anorexia is it, it's a really a disease where you lack insight because you don't want to get better like everyone is like to, to get better is to gain weight and you don't want that so you just start trying to hide things where you you hide what you're eating or like I just wouldn't eat anything during the day and I would hide it and then I would save like the, t the food I did eat like for when people were around so it would sort of look like you were eating. And um, it kind of got to that point where my mom was like, hey, like, do should we take you to a psychologist or like maybe something needs to happen? And I would always just be fighting back and being like, nope, don't want to go. There's nothing wrong with me. And I remember even like I got pulled out of class one day by like the school counselor because they were like, oh, we're just going to like have a chat with you and see what's going on. And even in that point, I remember being like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like I think in when I was really that sick, I had no idea that I was sick. Like it wasn't maybe you're young and you don't really understand. So it kind of got to a point where people were starting to say things like they were like, hey, like you're extremely skinny. Like, is there something going on? But I never went and actually ended up getting help for it. Um, and then I think the, the thing that really kind of took it to the next level was like that summer, I ended up going away to summer camp and um, like, obviously I couldn't control my food there. I had to eat whatever everyone else was eating. And that really was what kicked off like the binge eating because I think when you starve yourself for so long, your body sort of goes into like, oh my God, you've started eating. Like, let's just try and eat everything. So that's when things kind of swung the other way. Really? So you ate and ate. Mm. And then when did you realize, oh yeah, I could actually go towards bulimia because then at least I enjoy the food. When was that? Did it, was it immediate? Um, I wouldn't say it was immediate. I would think over that kind of period like between that age until like 17 18 I sort of swung between the two of like kind of like not eating and then like eating a lot at a little bit like kind of in between binging but I didn't start purging then it kind of only really started when I like after I graduated high school I think sort of one day like I had 
binged on something. I don't remember what, but it just... Obviously, I knew what bulimia was. I knew that it was something that people did. And I think I felt so bad about what I had eaten that I was like, you know what? I, I think I could just make myself throw it up. And then I went to the bathroom and did what I did. And that kind of really kicked things off in that realizing where I was like, oh, like that wasn't as bad as I thought maybe it would be. And then that's kind of when that part of the journey started. Yes. So it's a very slippery slope because when we are, you know, 10 to 20, we think we are immortal, we can do anything, and we somehow assume that our health will be always the same, we're never going to die, no, nothing can distract us. We are, I mean, my self-awareness about my health started when I was 30. Before that, I didn't even notice I had a body. <laughs> I was like, the body's something there, you know what I mean? But, and it's interesting when you realize actually I have cells, I have organs, I have a skin. Perhaps when you're 30, you know, some people notice white hair already or wrinkles, they go, oh, yeah, I actually have a skin. But before that, we take so many actions and we make decisions that we're not really aware of what we do to our bodies, going to affect us in the long term. Because, you know, if a person becomes anorexic, they could lose their parents completely. They could have saggy skin everywhere that then, when they recover, might be damaged, for example. But then all the collagen in the skin, everything will be missing. All the organs are missing. The, the heart can be damaged. But isn't it weird that we study that at school, but then it doesn't seem to apply to us? It's like a cognitive bias. We can't, we can't see that happening. But I see in front of me look beautiful, so you have recovered. What happened? Of course, the audience would like to know what happened. How did you recover? And was that a very quick and easy one-day process or did it take time? I would say it definitely is not a one-day process. I think it took a long time because like, unlike being a drug addict or an alcoholic, a drug addict, you stop doing drugs and that's the first step. But like, if you have an eating disorder, you can never not eat you need to learn how to eat again because food is obviously you need it to live so it becomes like I remember it's funny because I remember this moment so clearly I was on a holiday I went to New York City and at that time I was vegan and there's like all these amazing restaurants in New York City and I was like well I really want to like try them because like I don't want to be afraid of this so I remember I went to one and I like bought a sandwich and I like walked to Central Park and I sat there and I was like okay like I'm not going to be afraid of a sandwich like this is like this is it I'm so done with this like at that point it had been like probably at least five or six years that it just felt like this had taken control over my life like I just literally felt powerless to it and I remember sitting there and I had my sandwich and I was like this is the end like I'm not going to do this anymore and I think like in any kind of recovery like that decision is like the thing that starts the road to recovery like you might not be better the next day and it might take time but at some point you have to decide like this ends now and even though you might like slip up or you might slide back into it like just knowing that like that decision and just committing to making that decision like over and over is really how it begins um but after that like what really I started to like try and learn about food because I was like okay well if, maybe if I learn about how to feed my body I will feel less bad about what I'm eating so I started reading a lot of books on nutrition and like different kind of like diets that people had and just trying to educate myself in that kind of a way um 
but the things that really the things that really ended up changing it for me was doing the inner work like addressing the things about like like my self-worth and like the perfectionism and the need to control things like all of those things were really pointing to like the situation that created the eating disorder and I think one of the things that's so unfortunate about like eating disorder recovery is like so many people put so much focus on like the goal is to gain weight and I'm like we really need to address why did I have this in the first place like what was it giving to me because if we're like okay well no one is starving themselves for no reason (laughs) like it obviously was giving me something so we needed to I needed to look at what it was giving me and how could I maybe heal it so I didn't need to feel like I got those things from the eating disorder so the things that really helped me were um doing like RTT like rapid transformational therapy um even like sessions that I didn't specifically work on things around food but I really did a lot of work around like my self-belief and my confidence and like a sense of self-worth and that was really what ended up shifting it the most And I think it's like, gosh, I'm 33 now. And I would say it's probably only really been in the last couple years that I would say that it's not something I even really think about anymore. Like, yeah, I eat healthy and I exercise, but like a normal amount. I don't exercise for three hours a day to like try and work off an orange. Like it's it's kind of been like a recalibration of like relearning how to do these things in a way that you do it for a sense of love for your body instead of like a sense of needing to punish yourself yes it makes a lot of sense and it's good that you use rtt so did you look for a lot of help and when you found rtt and you realize oh there might be the approach i want how did you find rtt that was you know you're in australia so yeah well it's funny because i didn't do rtt for food at all in the beginning like I heard about it on a podcast and I was like oh that sounds really interesting and at the time like I was working as a photographer and I felt like I just sort of had these blocks around like growing my business like it would be like I felt like I had everything I needed to succeed but I felt like I was getting in my own way in some kind of a way so when I heard about RTT on a podcast I was like this sounds like it's gonna be helpful so I went and like had a google found a therapist and I started working on um like business related things with her for that and it ended up I I worked with her for a little while on like various things that kind of came up and it just ended up being so transformational that I decided to retrain as an RTT therapist after 2020 because like all of my jobs got cancelled because I was working as a wedding photographer and I was like well I'm sitting at home maybe I'll just do this and so um like going through the training you do so much RTT practice you get so many sessions so it really felt like we were just working through all of the layers of things that kind of were going into creating like not just the eating disorder but other blocks in my life and it's kind of funny because the way you are in one area I find that's how you are in other areas of your life too and so it's like by chipping away at those kind of core things that were holding me back it really it was like the eating disorder almost just started to dissolve on its own. Like, because I was doing so much work around the things that created it, it kind of, it stopped being a way to deal with it because those issues weren't there anymore. Yes, thank you. And I hope that this helps our audience because, you know, a lot of people might think, oh, it's going to be impossible. It's going to be years and years of therapy. It might cost an arm and a leg. 
but it's a good investment and it doesn't really take years and years and years. If you go with a therapist who understand, understands how the inner mind works, what is behind, because anorexia is a symptom, isn't it? It's a symptom that something there needs to shift that we have not shifted and there is RTT, there is CBT, there is hypnosis, there is coaching, there are so many things, different things that people can do and it's important to be aware there are many modalities. RTT is very very mild so it won't traumatize you or anything, it's very uh, gentle on your soul and it instills that kind of sense of well-being, I am who I am and I have to learn to love myself because, you know, even if when we were young we built up those beliefs, or even maybe recently, that I can only be loved and accepted if, and then we screw up our life completely, then with hypnosis and EFT, NLP or whatever, we can get this shift to happen in our body, don't we? And that happens in our mind and then in their body and happens in the cells. So that desire to smoke, to drink, to, to be on drugs, to you know be attached to food. And we're gonna be talking extensively about food in the leading to Christmas because it's always a problem. We love it and hate it. So it's important to understand that therapist is there to help to remove those, those um, unhealthy patterns of thinking. So let's say that a person is now thinking, right, I have um, somebody in my family who has a problem and I would like to help. And then um, maybe I am a person that has a problem. And, and Kim, Acrig, how do you read your surname? Acrig. That's it, that one. <laughs> she is also talking about this now. So what is the suggestions, maybe couple, two or three that you can give to the parents of a child who is displaying this problem, it usually seems to be women, and then to the, to the person who is experiencing this, and I know there are 50-year-old CEO women that have bulimia, so he isn't just a teenager or a non-educated and non-smart, no, they are very, very smart, and that's a problem probably, <laughs> so what would you do? Back again, your microphone. <laughs> I mean, I guess if it's like a loved one or a child or something, it's like you always want to be there and be supportive and like help them know that you're there for them. But I think it's one of those things where it's like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And I think one of the big things that actually was quite impactful for me was um, like my mom did end up taking me to a psychologist. I went once and then I was like, I don't want to go back kind of thing. But the thing that he gave me is he didn't try and sit there and convince me like, oh, you need to work on this or that. All he did was he gave me a book and it was a book about nutrition. And now I think it was the smartest thing he could have done because no one wants to be told that they have to do anything different. And like eating disorders by nature, often the people are very resistant. They don't want to get better most of the time. So he just gave me this book. And like, I love to read anyways, I guess maybe if you don't love to read, it could be challenging or maybe a podcast or something, but it just pointed me in the direction of like, Hey, maybe here's a different way you could think about food. And I think that's kind of a really nice sort of like gentle approach to being like, Hey, like I'm noticing I care. I'm paying attention without like bringing up the person's resistance. Cause I think it can be quite tricky because 
um, eating disorders have a lot, it brings a lot of shame. Like, I think usually you feel shame because you're hiding something or if you're making yourself throw up, you feel a lot of shame around these things. So it's like you want to try and reach out and access them in a way that is maybe not going to bring that up. So I think like just a gesture, like being like, hey, like here's a book or here's a podcast you could listen to or something where people will get there when they're ready, but it's just like a nice gesture. Um, if it's someone and it's like you and you're kind of realizing that you're like, hey, I need to do something. I think like one going and seeking support or if that doesn't really seem feasible, like I think a good first step is just like just sitting with your feelings. Like I think when you have an eating disorder, like food and eating in your body, it brings up so much emotion. And a lot of the time we're trying to run away from that emotion. But when that when those things come up, I think the best thing instead of trying to fight it or like push it away or push it down like just sit there and like feel those feelings like feel where you feel in your body like it's kind of like that saying like the more you resist it persists or whatever um if you can just sit there and listen to your body and like get in tune with it and get in touch or even contact your intuition and be like inner voice like is it true these things that I'm thinking like do I need to be afraid of food like just building that relationship with your intuition and that inner guidance I think is always a great first step so intuition and we as women we always say women's intuition in Italy they call it il sesto senso the sixth sense apparently we're supposed to have it and yet we are the one that fall into this trap of wanting to be thinner and thinner and thinner to the point of becoming disfigured and um, now you were 45 kilos 100 something pounds i am now 43 kilos but i'm only 5'1 <laughs> and i'm certainly not a skeleton i I have a size 10 UK, so not a skeleton, normal. But if I were taller and very, very thin, I probably feel like very fragile because there'd be all this skin and bones. And, and yet I would think that that's what society wants because society has this huge push on dancers, models, actresses, presenters, so all women who are in the public sphere to to be thin where do you think the this push is coming from yeah that's a good question because i remember like when i was growing up it was the 90s and like i feel like every single headline you saw was like they were shaming some celebrity about her weight and like when you go and look at those photos now you're like she's not overweight like it was just it sinks into the subconscious but it's hard to know where it comes from because I remember actually I saw this TikTok the other day and she was going through how the trend of like what women's bodies should look like has changed and it, it goes like to like big to small to big to small to big to small and it's like you just can't keep up but if you really look at it behind every change it was like by making women feel inadequate they were able to sell them something and I really think that companies benefit from when women don't feel good about themselves when they feel like there's something they need to fix or change that something outside of themselves that they can purchase is going to give them that feeling which just I guess drives business but I think it's kind of yeah it's hard to know I guess it's always sort of been there yeah but 
I think it's worse now, and it really goes with the economics law of demand and offer as well, you know. So when I remember studying in a psychology book in the 80s, and then later architecture university, we had to study economics as well for some funny reason. And one of the exams was about economics and the marketing and things. And I always remember, and I was like 30, not even 30, 25. I remember studying that if the industry has to sell something, either there is a demand for it, or they have to create the demand for it. And then we'll tell you here, we have a the issue so we can actually create the problem and then create a demand for something to fix the problem and there are so many things you can go for example to a supermarket and buy lots of junk food and fill yourself up and, and really being unhealthy low in energy and even put on weight eventually or run out with an inflammatory state etc and in the same supermarket you can buy supplements shakes, uh, diet drinks and all sorts to reverse what they cost to be. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? It's quite interesting. If we just gone to the farmer and ate the food as, as it was created from the nature, what were the chances that we were going to be that ill or overweight? So it's always build wisdom here thinking what are we putting in our body that then we need to add all these cosmetic procedures without making names and then even drastically bulimia anorexia thing because we have been we are torn between this constant request from the uh, advertising the marketing to buy 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 and drink and eat all together and do lots of stuff together but at the same time we have to be thin which is typical in the women's world i think it's been quoted in the barbie movie i haven't watched it but they say you know we're supposed to be this but we're also supposed to that <laughs> and uh, in, in psychology don't we say marie zapir always said when you have two opposite beliefs that cancel one another <laughs> you're going to state of paralysis <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah, I'm really glad we had this chat because it, it made me think that women should start a movement and say, you know, that's it, we're going to draw the line here, that's enough. Stop telling us what we're supposed to look like or um, whatever, or do, because we just want to be ourselves and feel good in our body, feel healthy, but we can decide what we want to put inside and outside of our body. And yet the industry is there trying to convince us that everything is wrong with us. Once you pass a 30 versus line, you know, now you're aging. Everything is anti-aging. I mean, aging is not allowed. <laughs> it's, it's a celebration of this stuff in AI, manga, anime, all the drawings, and I'm oh, an artist as well. So I see all these very elongated women with huge breasts. And yet we have this little wasp type waistline and this very long thing like we don't exist. This is not what we are like. We have things like cellulite, it's a flabby skin. We can be overweight. We can have short legs or thicker legs or a flat chest. And that's fine. Why do we only see this person that doesn't actually exist? So we compare ourselves to these images and then we feel that the virtue of that person online is something we we cannot have and that's that's too bad so guys i hope that this episode was good for you to have a good reflection about the values that we are receiving from 
the world around us and how we incorporate this value in our everyday life without realizing because you know repetition familiarity builds up so i want to thank you kim so much for being here sharing your story yeah absolutely it was a pleasure thanks for having me yeah where do we find you if you want to share because you're also studying psychology now but you're still doing rtt hypnosis helping people to unblock anything that stops and going to success. So wh- where are you? Yeah, on Instagram, I'm at kim.akrig. So it's K-I-M dot A-K-R-I-G-G. And then my website is just kimakrig.com. So yeah, if anyone has any thoughts, I would love to hear them. Or if this was helpful, yeah, feel free to reach out. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So please, everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with somebody who might need to hear the episode. And um, I might want to share it with somebody else, you know, you never know. And uh, write a review. You can go to iTunes, look at the name of the show, create with friends and add a review. Reviews are good. And also sharing the episode helps us so that we are more visible to other people. So more people can learn about how to use mindset hacks to create the life that we really want. And guess what? The life that we really want It's not necessarily being a size zero and being 30 kilos because that's not the life we want, as Kim told us today. So thank you so much for being with me again, Kim. And thank you to all of you. And I'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye-bye. You've listened to Create with Franz Sidney.